This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Sight Unseen is a new drama on CTV. Made its debut on Sunday right after the Bills and Chiefs game, which I definitely watched every single second of. The series follows a detective who suddenly loses her sight. She adapts with an online visual assistant. The series stars Dolly Lewis and Agam Darshi. And Alex Smythe, you had a chance to catch up with these two actors. What drew them to the project? Yeah, so uh, it, basically it was really about kind of the unique nature of the story, the relationship. You mentioned it there, Dave, that, you know, Dolly Lewis's character Tess, uh, she's a detective, she suddenly loses her sight and has to kind of learn to navigate this new world of uh, living with sight loss. And so the relationship that really forms between Dolly's character and Agam's character is done through the online kind of uh, visual assistant. So think of like a Be My Eyes type of platform is really how they're connecting. And that was really something that drew both of them to the project. And, and Dolly spoke about how, you know, you're not only seeing this unique relationship uh, forming between these two characters, but you're seeing a more authentic representation of sight loss because she has her own lived experience with vision loss and so seeing something where you're seeing a, a female lead that has that and is is kind of learning to navigate this world really kind of made her want to try and, and pursue this role and she shares more oh my gosh so many things um first reading the script for sight unseen i was really struck by the um unusual relationships that were being developed here um, through technology. I hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, and seeing a female lead who was dealing with some divergence in her sight was really exciting because I've experienced that in my own life and I haven't seen it very often on TV. So I was thrilled to be able to dive into that. Alex, you mentioned the way in which the series visualizes vision loss or visualizes the approach of this device that's kind of like be my eyes and the virtual assistants. What did the stars think of that approach? Yeah, because if you haven't had a chance to check out the show uh, yet, like beyond just that representation, they also like brought, uh, bring you into the the character Tess's uh, point of view and, and and show you what she is experiencing within that moment, whether it's like severe glares or a really intense blurriness. So they really wanted to visually represent what the sight loss was like. And they they really saw this as, okay, this is unique. This is something that you're not you're not finding on other representations of vision loss within media and television that they wanted to really open the door so for someone who may not have that experience, may not have that knowledge. It's like, oh, this is what the character is really experiencing. It's not just, oh, it's everything's black or you can see everything clear. There is some vision, but it's still heavily uh, kind of uh, restricted. And, and yeah. so they thought this was something that was so unique and, and Dolly spoke more about it. I thought that was fascinating and um, a really courageous choice to make. You know, there's so much to put into the time allotted per episode. Um, and 
you know, uh, having such variety in terms of the lenses and the points of view, like we have Sunny's point of view through the spy camera, we have different narrative cameras, and then we have Tess's actual vision. Um, I thought the the decision to include that so that viewers could understand a little bit, you know, they're not just watching my body move through a scene, they're also seeing it from my point of view. Oh, that's why she might stumble this way, because now I get it. She she really can't see that part over there. Or that's why she can see that. Or that's that why she can that's yeah. That's other really things that there's well. yeah, I totally agree that there was actually a lot more um vision available on different creative um and is a challenge. And you brought up a really good point as well. Like Dolly and I were talking about how, um, you know, there's a spectrum of sight divergence, you know, and generally in media, it's either you cannot see or you can't see, yeah. you know, and they do it in a very kind of like binary, binary yeah. way. And so I think that's what's just so impressive is that it's like, no, no, these are, it's a spectrum. This is going to sound familiar, Alex, but there was quite a bit of consultation done with the community in regard to authentic portrayal. What did the stars make of that collaboration? Oh, they, they said it made uh, all the difference because uh, not only, uh, as I mentioned, you know, Dolly is part of the community, but even the creatives behind the scenes, one of the co-creators of the series is uh, lived with vision loss as well. And then they also had a number of consultants, a number of people who were working on on the team and, and, and kind of collaborating on this project all brought their experience. And the, the great thing is you and I know Dave, and we've talked about many times, and, and even as Agam mentioned in that clip, like sight loss is not, uh, it's a spectrum. It's, oh, it's yeah. not just a, a one, or, it's like yes or no, you know? So it's it's that collaboration and is that wealth of knowledge of different types of sight loss, different types of vision that can really bring a, a, a real, like authentic take to, to the screen. And what's interesting is they speak about uh, how the uh, co-creator who lives with vision loss and very vocal about it, it just the small subtlety and changes behind the scenes in the actual production process, how it had an impact on them as well. So I'll let them explain more. Two showrunners, Pico um, and Karen, and Karen has is very vocal about her her journey with her sight throughout the years and how many surgeries she's had. And, you know, it was really beautiful. I read something that she said where she, I mean, sometimes you would see her and she would have to have her scripts like this close to her face. And because there were so many different people on set in front and behind the camera that had um, sight uh, impairments, sight, who were sight diverse, um, they made the scripts larger. They made the sides larger, you know, like little things like that, where she said, I feel like I was part of a tribe of, I was with other people that were like me and I wasn't the weirdo that had my script up to here. I was actually with, with people who were like me. So I, I think stuff, moments like that were really special and important. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, the consultants that helped me uh, and helped everybody on the show, the showrunners, I know they were in close contact with Yvonne Felix, who's an amazing consultant here actually in Toronto. Um, she's a, a wonderful woman. She um, she opened up about her experience to me. And, you know, every single person's experience is different. But it was interesting to hear her talk because her um her sight loss is more severe than mine. 
also hearing how she goes about her day in a way that's very different from me was incredibly valuable input to make me feel like I'm doing right by this character's experience. Alex, that backtracks to an idea that you and I explored last week in the Daily Poll about the overall representation of disability in the media, going from advocacy to consulting to creation to casting. Maybe spectrum is the word of the day here in regards to disability representation, that it actually takes a lot of stops along the, uh, along the trough before you truly find what representation should look like in media. Absolutely, Dave. And, and obviously, you know, there's a lot that is uh, uh, kind of uh, portrayed and in, 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 uh, the results get put on screen. But it's also the things that happen behind the scenes. And AMI is also working to really uh, do this with the, the work that we're doing, the projects that we're involved with. It's, it's getting that representation, that involvement behind the scenes. It's getting that experience, that exposure for folks from the community and also folks who have never really interacted or don't have the knowledge of uh, working with folks with disabilities, how to make sets more accessible. And this was something that I, I found was very interesting. They both Dolly and Agam ex expand on this idea that, you know, it was the crews behind the scenes who may not necessarily have had a lot of experience with the vision loss community beforehand, but they really embraced like this uh, kind of making sure that, okay, we're going to make this an accessible, inclusive space. And, and they had some great examples of how the crew really went above and beyond to make sure everyone was welcome on set. Yeah, and other funny little details like, and I have to say, everybody, the entire crew jumped on board and were curious and supportive and enthusiastic. I remember walking to the soundstage one day um, and this amazing locations PA took me on a little tour and she said, I, I put me on tape on all the different doors with different mm -hmm. symbols. So because it's very dark in the soundstage and I have night blindness, she was like, this might help you to navigate, you know, are you going into the soundstage next door or are you going to the bathroom? Yeah. And on our trailer as well, there was yes. a big X. There was a big X, and, and somebody said to me, oh, it's for Dolly, so that when she's going to her trailer, she knows which one it is, because there were so many of them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, little details like that. Yeah, it felt really like a community. Yeah, Alex, the little things are the big things when it comes to not just broad policy on accessibility, but day-to-day -day experience and things like markers. That's probably something that you and I are a little familiar with as well. I do like to create markers for myself uh, all over the place in terms of orientation and new spaces. Yeah, for me, it's always like it, it's always a challenge, right? Because I can have all the markers, but with my lack of peripheral vision, I may not be able to <laughs> yeah. see them all that often. So. <laughs> yeah. but, but if it's a big enough X, and if I one day am fortunate enough to have a trailer for some project, I mean, hey, I, I would appreciate a big X on the side of my trailer. Yeah, my uh, my parents, when I was a teenager, I, I don't know if this was deliberate or undeliberate, but they put a green light bulb in our uh, front porch light. And I wonder if that was just their way of saying, like, Dave, look for the green light when you're coming home at two in the morning, as opposed to trying to uh, guess and test a little bit. That might have been a little bit of overkill, but I would have appreciated that at their house in Arizona a couple of years ago when they live in a uh, suburb where all the houses look the same. I, I could have used I could have used a little extra guidance. I mean, hey, I would never say no to a, a, another colored light. You know, that, that's, that's it's a thought that counts, right? And yeah. even if it doesn't necessarily uh, be as effective or, or as necessary as maybe, <laughs> hey, it's an easy marker, you know, 
you 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 always know look for the green yeah. and you can also direct other people as well look for the green light if yeah. you ever see that Universe, universal design look for the green yeah. light like there you go and uh, for fans of the great gatsby they might uh, pick up on a little bit of a reference there as well alex thank you for this talk to you next segment alex's full interview with the stars of sight on unseen will be available later this week to stream at amiplus.ca amiplus.ca a little bit later this week for the full interview and you can catch the show mondays 10 p.m eastern time on ctv that being sight unseen coming up next it's been about three years since Greyhound stopped operations in Canada, which meant there's been a significant decrease in intercity bus routes. Megan Gilmore will share a little bit more on the story. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.